Well, cool. Hey, look, we're going to jump right into the message today because today is a big subject. Today we're talking about Christ in the tabernacle, okay? And everybody's like, what? How many of you have ever in your life done a study? I'm talking a real study on the tabernacle. How many of you in here? Okay. Eight, maybe 10, possibly. Um, look, well, those of you who study know that there, it's an impossibility today in the next 30 minutes to lay out everything about the tabernacle, right? Absolutely impossible. But literally, this is one of the greatest teachings I think that we could possibly talk about as well as we could probably take about six months to talk about. Um, honestly, I think that really every week we talk about it in a certain way, shape, or form. Uh, but if you're not putting it together and, and putting all the puzzle pieces together, it's kind of kind of this weird thing. Uh, we're, we're in the, the year of the Bible, by the way, and, and if maybe this is your first time here. We're taking the year of the Bible, the one-year Bible, uh, which is, it's split up into Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs, and they have a reading for each day. We're taking the past week's reading, and we're talking about it every single Sunday morning. And so it's been awesome up until now, and uh, hopefully I can continue to keep it awesome. So um, that was a joke, sort of. Uh, all right. So if you've been reading, you know we're in the book of Leviticus now, right? And how many of you are just like, okay, Leviticus, move on past that to Jesus, to the New Testament, because I'm sick of hearing about the long lobe of the liver. What is the deal with the long lobe of the liver? I mean, God loves liver, you know what I'm saying? He's like... Yeah, all the other stuff's cool, but that long lobe, I want to tell you about that right there, yeah? Anyway, uh, and if you're not laughing, you have no idea. You're not reading the one in your Bible. <laughs> so, like, I mean, there's a lot of fat. There's a lot of blood, a lot of guts. Um, I'm telling you, I'm just going to say I don't think God's very vegan. I'm just going <laughs> to... Just put it on out there. He's like, it's a pleasing aroma. If you listen to the one your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. And the Lord said it was a pleasing aroma. You know what I'm saying? The Lord loves the smell of steak. And, uh, and so do we. But uh, it's okay if you don't agree with that. That's fine. Well, this is a church full of diversity, full of diversity, many different ways of looking at things. And so, uh, but the tabernacle is what we're going to spend our time on today. And honestly, if I could stress this to you, could you please put aside all distractions for the next 30 minutes and really come on this journey with what the tabernacle is about? Um, extremely interesting for all you people who information inspires you. This will inspire you. And for those of you who are like, information, uh, 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 this is still going to inspire you, man, because it's the word of God and uh, it's fabulous. So uh, I'm going to do my best. All right, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to cram a lot of information in. And uh, so let's just get into this thing, all right? So the key verse today is Exodus 25, 8 and 9. God says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. So I can live among, first of all, the, the purpose of the tabernacle is so that God can be among his people. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. All of this is about God knowing us, being with us, and us living in his presence. From the point of Adam and Eve, whenever everything broke apart, the story of the Bible is about the redemption of mankind, and Jesus is the thread through all of it, all right? And the tabernacle is absolutely no difference. That Jesus is wrapped up all in this, and so we're going to see this. Now, the pattern that, that God was talking about uh, was very intricate. 
Very intricate. It wasn't like, oh yeah, just build a table, that'd be fine, some curtains. It was not like that. It was extremely precise and to the point. And uh, it represents a lot of things, but it also represents a proper pattern for our lives and how we should live today. So yeah, it happened a long time ago, but everything that's in the tabernacle applies to you every day of your life, all right? Believe me, it does, all right? We're gonna get there. Some of you are like, how? I have never killed an animal, but it will. You won't kill an animal, but it will apply to you. So obeying the pattern allows access to the presence of God. I want you to think about that. Obeying the pattern that God has set out allows access to the presence of God. And everything in the tabernacle was obviously made of some sort of material, and they all had a meaning, okay? So if you've been reading, you've been reading all these random, you know, you got gold and bronze and then like goat's hair and all kind of random stuff, right? It all has a meaning. And so I wanna lay out some of the meanings really quick. All the items made out of gold, they represent deity, all right? All of the silver represents redemption. All the brass and the bronze represents judgment. All the blue is heavens or, or heavenly nature. Purple is kingly or royalty. Scarlet is blood sacrifice. Fine linens is righteousness. Goats and ram's hair is atonement. Acacia wood, which we actually was just the answer there. Uh, we were talking about it in there. Somebody was like, is it acacia or is it acacia? Or Anyway, acacia wood represents Jesus' humanity and the oil represents the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, if you guys just actually ran what you read in the last few weeks through that filter right there, it would completely redefine everything you've read right there. If you just replaced gold with deity, if you replaced bronze with judgment, acacia wood with the humanity that Jesus was or is, see what I'm saying? It would just completely renovate the, uh, the thought process of what you're reading. But before we get into breaking down the tabernacle and all the things in it, I wanna show you a picture real quick of the tabernacle. You guys can go ahead and put that up. The tabernacle was split into a bunch of different areas. It was split into uh, to three areas, actually. We don't have a picture, do we? No, we don't. I lied. There it is. I didn't, I didn't totally lie. I lied for like 10 seconds. But uh, this is the actual temple, the, the tabernacle. This is it, the real one. Somebody went back in time and took a picture, and it's great. No. <laughs> Somebody built it, and it's a really good-looking replica of it. But uh, th there was a tabernacle. This thing was mobile, all right? They brought this all over the wilderness, which must have been terrible, okay? But this is what they did, and this is, this is what... So I want you to picture this as we talk about this today, okay? The first place is the outer court. Now, where you have the, you have the fence around it, the area inside of that fence, the open area is called the outer court. And the outer court was surrounded, again, by a wall, the linen... Uh-oh, wall, I said it. Oh, man, God built a wall. Oh, man. <laughs> right when I said it, it was like, oh, here we go. Y'all don't lie. We've heard it so much lately. It's just, you, can't, you can't read certain words without just like, ah. Uh. But there was a wall. It was. It was a linen. It was a fence. Now, here's the thing about the wall. I threw you guys all off. I'm sorry. <laughs> you better start learning to laugh about some things, guys, just to let you know. All right? You better learn because it's going to drive you insane. All right? The linen fence, it was made of linen. Linen represents righteousness, right? This fence, you could not go over, you could not go under, you could not go through it. 
because if you did, you would die. This fence represented the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness of our God, and you could not go around or over or anything without dying. You could only go through one spot, and that was the gate. The gate was the only way to get into the outer court, and the gate, of course, represents salvation, represents salvation. And, and what, I, what I wanna show you is I wanna show you some things. I wanna, I wanna talk about the physical uh, material or the, the gate or whatever it is, the object. I wanna show you what Jesus is, how Jesus is represented in that option, object. And I also wanna show you how it applies to you today, okay? So, so Jesus is represented in this gate, uh, represents salvation. John 10, nine, Jesus said, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Jesus is the only way through, uh, for salvation. We're just gonna establish that. A lot of people think there's different ways being very good, okay? I could be very good and somehow, some way that's gonna, that's gonna give me enough righteousness to, to make the deal you know, proper. It's not. That's what the whole thing about the gate is and the righteousness. You cannot do it any other way other than believing in Jesus. Jesus is the gate. Have you walked through the gate? All right, have you, have you been saved? Have you received that? And do you believe in that? Or do you just believe in a God? Or do you just believe in some sort of good force out there? That's not good enough. Jesus is the way to salvation. So important that we start there. The second part that when you walk in, the first thing you come into contact with is the brazen or the bronze altar. Now this was made in, in, in acacia wood, all right? Remember, Jesus' humanity. <clears throat> And it was overlaid in bronze, which of course speaks of judgment. Judgment overlaid Jesus. And it speaks of the need of the sacrifice for sin because this is an altar. This is where all the bloody stuff went down. You know what I'm talking about? This is where stuff was laid and burnt and torn apart and placed upon it. And it was a nasty, nasty place. It was not um, uh, fun to be around. There was a lot of dead things. Um, And it represents sacrifice. You see, sin has to have a sacrifice, has to have a payment to pay off that debt of sin. Sin cannot exist without a payment in God's eyes. Okay, it's important we we realize that. It's not just like, oh, besetting sin, you know, in my life. And in the, it's just, oh, it's Jesus took care of it all, right? We're gonna get to that. But there always has to be a payment for sin. There had this thing of a sacrifice for sin. There was constant animal sacrifices going on on this altar. Every day, all the time. The fire of the altar couldn't go out and the fire represents the wrath of God. Y'all do realize that God hates sin, right? Does everybody in here believe that? That God hates sin? It's very important you realize that God does not like sin. He has wrath towards it, okay? And this is what that represents is the wrath of God towards sin. And the good part about the altar, obviously, is that it represents Jesus' death on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. Now, again, there's about 40 different directions I could go with every single one of these points, and so I'm just gonna hit the highlights and continue to move on. I would highly, highly encourage you to really delve into studying uh, the deeper parts of all of what these things mean. But, but really, Jesus is here. We see him right here, the cross, where Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice Jesus' death satisfied the wrath of God. Man, when Jesus said, it is finished, that was a huge moment. The wrath of God was satisfied. But here's the deal. For us, we are now living sacrifices. 
okay? So we don't, we don't sacrifice like it used to be, but now our lives are a sacrifice. We read this in Romans 12:1. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. The kind he will find acceptable, not the kind that feels good for you, okay? All right, it's like I'm living my life the way that I think it should be lived and God sees fit. But no, is it the kind that God actually finds acceptable? Because that's kind of an important part of it. All right, this is truly the way to worship him. That means if you're not living a lifestyle that doesn't, that doesn't please him, that he doesn't find acceptable, it's not a good way of worshiping him, okay? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you, uh, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This really talks about dying to self or dying to your selfish desires, okay? All of us in this room have selfish desires. We have sinful desires that we want to do that are contrary to the word of God. The thing of living a lifestyle of sacrifice is that you don't do them, that you stop doing them, not because it's a do and a don't. That's where we get all caught up in this, with this weird mentality. It's not a do or a don't. It's I love God and I wanna please him. Different way of thinking about it but it's living a lifestyle of sacrifice. That's really what Christianity is. Christianity is a lifestyle of sacrifice. So if you are in this room and you've been a Christian for a while and you, do, you think that this lifestyle of Christianity is not that way, that it should be easy or just whatever, it's not. It's a lifestyle of sacrifice. We are a living sacrifice and we're constantly burning for God. I wanna read a scripture, it's not on the board, but it's Ephesians 5, 2. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. A pleasing aroma to God. So if we're constantly burning before God, the way that we live is a sacrifice before God, I have a really weird question for you. And that's what does your life smell like? What's your, what's your life smell like? So I want you real quick, everybody in here, I want you to picture your words, your actions, your attitude, the way you handle your money, the way you speak to your spouse, the way you speak to your kids, the way kids you speak to your teacher, the way you respect your authority, the way you think about your authority, all, you, all that stuff. I want you to put it in a pile right now. I want you to picture just fire being applied to it as a sacrifice to God. And just what does God smell? Is it something that, that pleases him or is it an odor that's not supposed to be inside of his presence? Is it something that makes him look the other way? So I don't know what that is. It's not what I've called you to. What does your life smell like? Feel that weight. Feel that gravity. Because I don't think that we ask that question enough. What has my life smelt like this week? Is it pleasing? Is it pleasing to God? The next part is the bronze laver. Now this is really a place of washing. It's a place of washing. And so you can imagine that as the priests went past this altar, they were kind of messed up, kind of messy, all right? And they went, as, they, as they went forward, they went to the laver. And this is where they would wash their hands and they would wash their feet. 
And, and this really represents the washing by the word of God and, and repentance. There's a lot of different meanings, again, to every single, every single object, but there's just a couple that we want to spend some time on. Ephesians 5.26 says this. Again, it's, it's probably not on the screen. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Jesus cleanses us. And it also, we actually just sang it. We talked about Jesus being the word of God. We are cleansed by the word of God. And we are also cleansed by the blood of Jesus through repentance. Revelations 1, 5 says, to him who loved us and washed or freed us from our sins in his own blood. This is a huge moment because here's the deal. This parallels the way that we should live our lives, right? So if we come in through Jesus and we come into the altar and we realize that we, there's a sacrifice for sin and we accept that Jesus is our sacrifice, we walk to the next thing. And that's where we've got to be cleansed. That's where there's repentance that, that, that takes place. This is not optional, okay? Th these things are not optional things like, ah, I'll, I guess I'll repent. No, you, repentance is lifestyle now. It's a part of who you are. And it's also this pattern that God set for us. And so as we come up to this, this labor, we begin to see that we need to wash ourselves. We need to wash our hands and wash our feet. How many of you know as we walk through this earth, we get dirty? I'm telling you, it's impossible. We get, we get dirty. And look, the thing about the, this, this, this uh, labor is it was made out of mirrors, out of bronze mirrors, um, which again is just phenomenal, whole nother story. But, but in that, it, the Bible talks about how the word of God is like a mirror that you walk up to and you see, you see yourself for who you really are. That's why if somebody is not reading the word of God, they don't really know who they are. And so all of their judgment is skewed about life, about themselves, about everything. Their judgment's skewed because it's not based on the word of God. It can only be based on your emotions, your personality, the opinions of your friend, whatever your experience. And none of that is biblical, right? Just bottom line, guys, let's just get to the point today, all right? We've got to look at the word of God to see that reflection, see who we are, so that way we can be washed, so that way we can be cleansed, okay? This is important. This is important. We've got to continue to walk through this. This is the process that God set. Remember, this is something he said, you want access to my presence? You want to know me for real? Do these things. Do these things. And so, so and we're recapping. We, we've gone through the gate. We've gone through Jesus as our salvation. We're saved. We've, uh, we've offered sacrifices on the altar. Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. He fulfilled that. We're a living sacrifice now. Now we're cleansed by the labor or Jesus' blood washes us. We've repented and we're reading the word of God, right? We're reading the one-year Bible. We're letting it mess with us. All these great things. And then we're about to move to the next part. But I want you to know this. The outer court's focus was judgment and sacrifice. All right, that was that bronze. Remember, bronze everywhere. Everything's judgment, sacrifice, payment of sin. From now on, though, uh, it's all going to change. You see, that's not the whole point of the tabernacle. It's not the point of the tabernacle. Jesus is, God, God was like, hey, get, get all this done, right? Get, get all this taken care of so that way we can go to the next place, okay? So, so in our walk with God, some of you have been in the outer court a very long time. God's like, hey, that's great. It's awesome. That's what, that's what I desire of you. However, there's more. There's more to this thing than just getting cleaned up, okay? So you go from the outer court, and the next place is the holy place, the holy place. Now, again, 
There's no bronze here. There's no judgment from this point on. It's gold. All the acacia wood is wrapped in gold at this point, which is just a great picture of, uh, for me, I just pick, it's just God moving forward. You know what I'm saying? Just got no more judgment. All right, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of you have been saved, you've been cleansed, and you're trying to move forward, but the, the, the condemnation that's on you is, uh, is just present every day, and it's reminding you of your past. It's reminding you of what you were outside of the, outside of the tabernacle, outside of that linen wall, keeps reminding you, and you have to remember that, no, I am inside I am inside the righteousness of God. I am in, I'm in. You gotta remind yourself of that because the enemy will try to remind you otherwise. But the holy place, uh, there's, there's three objects in this room that is gonna give us some greater insight to the different aspects of Jesus and also will show us what is required to make the next step from salvation to fellowship with Christ. It's the table of showbread is the first thing. And this table is made of acacia wood overlaid in gold, overlaid in gold. Speaks of Jesus' humanity and deity. Jesus was fully God, fully man, all right? Well, our brains have trouble comprehending that, but it's true. The bread represents Jesus as the bread of life. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Now you're like, how does that apply to me? Well, right now the world offers you some bread, all right? The world offers you something that feels like it will fulfill you. But I like how Jesus said, they won't ever be hungry again. See, we get full of things sometimes and it's not the bread of life. It's the bread of the world. It's the bread of whatever. It's the bread of money. Whatever it is, it distracts us from the true bread of life. And it fills us for a certain amount of time. But that will run out. And then you will be hungry again. Here's the deal. You might not be hungry until death. But that bread's going to run out. That's why we have got to partake of the bread of life, which is Jesus. The next thing you see is the altar of incense. And this was for burning incense, which represents prayer and worship. I wanna read Revelations 8, 3, and 4, okay? This is so good. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hands. Another scripture, Psalm 141, two says, accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. I want you to picture right now your prayers and your worship literally burning on an altar of incense right before God. And it produces a smell, again, that is pleasing to him. It's an aroma. So many times we picture our prayer and our worship as empty. We, as we were worshiping a while ago, some people lifting their hands and all that, and, and some don't. And I think that we just don't simply because of this. We don't know what we're doing. I think it's just the bottom line. We just, we don't truly know what we're doing and therefore we don't have value on it. We don't look at our lifting our hands as an offering to God. We don't look at our prayers as literally going before God, setting on him, right in, in front of him and him actually smelling it, hearing it, responding to it. I don't think we do because if we did, we would play a, pray a whole lot more fervently. I really believe it. You see, your revelation of who God is affects everything that you do. Your revelation of the word of God affects everything that you do. And if you don't understand it and you don't have a revelation, then you're not gonna actually do it because it's just empty words. But it is not empty words, it's the word of God. 
And we have got to learn how to, to read and apply these things to our life. The other thing about this, which is awesome, is that I like how, if you really research it, 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 it takes our prayers and it mixes it with Jesus's prayers because Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making... If it wasn't for Jesus, your prayers wouldn't get past the ceiling right now, okay? It's Jesus's worthiness, his merit, who he is, mixes with ours, and that's what makes it accessible to God. I'm telling you, this thing is huge. It's, it's just, it's great. It's awesome. It's exciting. Thank Jesus. Thank God that he's there praying for us, interceding for us. But I want you guys to remember that every time that you worship, every time that you pray, every time you lift your hands, these are not empty things. By the way, if you've been taught that lifting your hands or clapping or shouting or, or singing in the spirit, all of those things are demonic or, or something that you should not do, I want you to go ahead and put that to the side because it's not true. Read the word of God and let God speak to you, all right? The next thing is the golden lampstand. This thing is made of pure gold, it's totally divine, and it's the only light source in the holy place. And this represents Jesus. He is the light, he is the light of the world. Romans, uh, John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to light. Jesus is like, you don't have to continue to live in that dark place that you hate so much. Just letting you know, I'm the light right here. I'm the bread of life. You don't have to. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. You know that we are also the light. We have Jesus in us, right? We're partaking of the bread of life. We have Jesus in us. And so where we go, we bring light. We bring light. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Let's go and let's be light in dark places. Let's emulate our Lord. It also represents the word of God. Jesus as the truth the way, the truth, the life, Jesus is the truth. Your word in Psalm says, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God will lead you and guide you and direct you, okay? You don't have to go read a bunch of self-help books all over the place and you know what I'm saying? Read the word of God, let the word of God teach you and guide you. Uh, also, just really quick, man, this is just a cool fact, okay? How many of you guys, you read all the decorations on the lampstands and stuff? All right, <clears throat> If you take the decorations on the lampstands, the flower-like cups and the blossoms and the blooms and all the things that were on there, just a bunch of random stuff, right? It's just random. Well, they add up to 66 decorations. And there's a 39 on the left with the center candlestick. There's 39. And there's 27 on the right. Old Testament has 39 books in it. New Testament, 27. Just something cool, just for you guys to know. Just stuff that God just knew and... And they're like, well, they, they, what they did is when they did the canon, they, they counted them. They're like, hey, this would be cool. Yeah, let's do this, guys. Let's add these up. Well, I think if God made it 40, maybe it would have been 40. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Hey, God's sovereign. He's good. Oh, by the way, in the, in the lamps, there was some oil. There was some oil. Some people don't think the Holy Spirit matters. The Holy Spirit is intricate. Without oil in the lamp, there ain't no light happening. The Holy Spirit brings revelation of the word of God. The Holy Spirit is what draws us to God in the first place. The Holy Spirit is how God works in and through us today. The oil is extremely important. 
So now we're saved, we're cleansed, we're forgiven, we're fellowshipping with Christ, right? We're growing in our walk with God as people. We're, we're, we're reading the word, we're worshiping, we're praying. By the way, if, you, if, if the word of God and worship and prayer is not operating in your life today, you're probably not growing in your knowledge and your understanding of God, all right? And that's not a guilt trip, that's just, it's probably not happening or it's not happening as quickly as it should. Why? Because God put a pattern. God put a pattern. These are, by the way, the number one way that, that, that people grow in their relationship with God, bar, I mean, anything else is just simply reading the word of God. Anything, nothing else. Coming to church does not grow you in your relationship with God. Reading the word of God is the paramount thing. All the other things are supporting and do help, don't get me wrong, but what's paramount? The word of God. We've got to understand the word of God. Now there's this, this thing between the holy place and what we're about to go into, and there's a veil here. There's a big, thick veil. This veil is about four inches thick. Are y'all bored yet? No, you're not bored, good. Okay, hope you're not, because this is kind of everything. <laughs> this is pretty much everything we believe, by the way, um, hopefully. So the veil is four inches thick. I've never had a four inch thick curtain hanging in my house. Uh, I don't know what that even looks like, but four inches thick. The high priest could only pass that veil once a year on the day of atonement. And if he did it any improper way, he would die. He had to walk and do exactly what God wanted him to do, go through the whole process, or he would die. No one had access to the presence of God. No one had access to the presence of God. And this is the very veil that was torn whenever Jesus died. You know the part whenever Jesus he gave up the ghost, the, the, the veil was torn in two. Picture a veil four inches thick being ripped. It was loud and it, can you imagine all the priests that were in the temple at that time who didn't believe in Jesus, but they knew what the veil represented because the veil was made of like certain types of thread that linen and it was blue and scarlet, it, it represented Jesus as well. We don't have time today, okay? And when that thing was torn, which represents the body of uh, Jesus being torn, those men, I, I just have to believe that some of them at that point said he was for real. That was, that was him. That was Jesus. That was the Messiah. Just a side note. The veil was torn. God doesn't desire us to stay out of, in, the, in the outer court or just in the holy place. I'm telling you guys, God does not desire for us just to be existing. He wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to know him. And that's where we get to the third place. It's the most holy place or the holy of holies. This is where the, the Ark of the Covenant was. And this is where the very presence of God was. The Ark of the Covenant, it represents the presence of God. And on top of the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. It was the mercy seat. Just shows God's mercy. And, and really all of these things represent who God is. All of these things, rep they make up who God is and it starts at the top with the mercy seat. I love that mercy triumphs judgment. Are you grateful for that? Mercy triumphs judgment. So you have the mercy seat on top and then there's things inside of the ark uh, in the box and it contains three things. Number one, the 10 commandments. The 10 commandments were in there, which shows God's character. The 10 commandments are not dead and gone. They're still activated right now right now, and it all can be summed up in love God, love people. 
but it is the Ten Commandments that we are, uh, we're still, uh, it's God's character, it's who he is. It's the moral standard that by which really our society wants to operate by. People try not to, but there's just this, there's just this draw back to it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like this magnetic pull because it's who God is. You, you can't love people properly without loving God properly. And so anyway, Jesus obeyed every command without sin. He, command, he, he obeyed every command without sin. The next thing was the manna that was in there. And it shows God's provision, which of course, Jesus is our bread. He is our, he is our provision. He provides everything that we need. The third thing in there was Aaron's rod. And if you remember uh, Aaron's rod, the one that butted, okay? It's a, it's a, that sounds kind of funny, but what happened was there were some men that called into question the authority of Aaron. And, and so God was like, well, just throw these, throw these rods down, put your rods next to them, let's see what happens. And, and so they did, and uh, the next day they get up and Aaron's rod, it bloomed, like, like plants came out of it. That doesn't usually happen out of a rod, okay? I mean, just for no reason, just boom. And really what it shows is God's authority. God's, God had his hand upon somebody, and, but, it, but it also represents Jesus because Jesus, he was raised to life, right? He was, he was resurrected and life came from death. It's just, it's kind of like God just showing one last, just like, it's just, you know, I conquered everything. Not even death, like that, that's like the big thing. No, I got that. I've overcome that. So what does the presence of God produce in our lives? Because I think a lot of people are like, yeah, that's all cool, but what does it do for me? Let's, let's talk about what does the presence of God produce in our lives? Well, I believe that as we live in the presence of God, it's gonna do a few things. We're gonna see God's mercy more, more fully, and we're gonna extend mercy to others. Because as we see the character of God, doesn't it, it affects us. I wanna be like him. So as I live in his presence, one of the fruits of the spirit is something like this, kindness or mercy towards others. We see God's character and so our character is transformed. You can't live in the presence of God and be around God and not be changed and not be transformed. It, it, it's one of those osmosis things, I believe. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of brain stuff and at some point it's just being in the presence of God that begins to change you. And, and I don't know, I just don't desire those things anymore. I just, I don't think like that anymore. Why? Because you're being transformed. Also, we experience the supernatural provision of God. Now, around here, we're, we're not big into the whole prosperity message. All right, we're not big into the whole, hey, if you serve God, you'll get a lot of nice things. All right, I think there's some just natural mathematics involved in that and handling things in your life well that you could probably live a more easier life than others, right? But there is a place where only God is at and that's where the supernatural provision of God is, where he supplies your every need according to his riches, not yours, right? All right, there's a place that... That, that I believe we need to tap into, provision for your body, provision for your family. Some people have a lot of money, but their families are falling apart. Some it's vice versa. But you know what I'm saying? There's a place where we need God's provision in our lives. I, I love the last point that it proves is that we, as we are in the presence of God, we will walk in the authority of God. Yes. We will walk in the authority of God. Some of you are getting beat up left and right by just things that happen all the time. Your family is in shambles. Every, there's drama everywhere. Have you ever th stopped and thought, maybe I need to seek the presence of God? 
maybe, maybe this is more of a spiritual thing that's happening versus just a physical fight that I'm in. And you're saying like 10,000 words a day trying to fix all the drama and it's not gonna do anything because it's a spiritual fight. We have to walk in the authority of God. And so in closing, I wanna read a scripture. It's in Hebrews 19, 10, 19 through 20. And this really sums up the whole message right here. And so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Jesus unlocked all of this. Before everything was compartmentalized and there was a whole lot of do's and don'ts and you had to do everything in exact way or literally you would die. And the physical, Jesus unlocked all of that and we live in a new place. However, everything that happens in the natural is really just what happens in the spiritual. And now we live in a time where we might not be cutting animals' heads off and doing all this kind of stuff, right? We might not actually have a labor in front of us. And, you know, but the way that we live our lives correlates with this 100%, completely. There's no separation. Some of you, are, you've received Jesus, you've walked into the gate, and you're in the outer court, and things are good. They're good, they're, they're okay, you're, you're cleansed, okay? Uh, making it to heaven, all right? But that's not, that's not why Jesus died, just for that. Some of you have, have you've, lived, you've been living in the outer court for a long time and you've begun over the last few months or even years to, to kind of progress forward in your walk with God. And you've gone to the holy place, look, there's, there's worship taking place, you're praying, you're reading the word of God, and some of you have been there for a long time, but if I said, man, are you living in the presence of God? Or are you really walking in the authority of God? Many of you would say, no, I'm not. And it's time for you to take the next step into the presence of God. And that's one of those things that I can't stand up here and explain completely, all right? That's something that you have got to seek God about. I believe as a corporate body that we can come together and experience certain things. But you know what? It's not just on a Sunday morning. This is so much bigger than a Sunday morning. This is you every day, how you live your life. Now, those three types of people are all inside of the tabernacle. They're all inside of the, the, the wall, right? The outer court, holy place, most holy place. Some of you have never actually even went through the gate. You're on the outside of the wall and you're trying to act really good and you're trying to put on your own righteousness, which the Bible refers to as filthy rags. And you're trying to stand before God and say, hey, look how good I am. Look, I'm doing pretty good, huh? Yeah? And you're doing all the do's and the don'ts, but there's no power in it because you haven't come through the gate. And all it can be, the best thing that you can have is religion. It's just a bunch of rules and it gets annoying and old and you quit because it's not real. 
And so today I wanna give you, if, that, if that's you, I wanna give you the opportunity here in a second to truly walk through that gate, to truly choose Jesus, not, not, not a religion, not joining a church, right? But literally walking into the outer court through the gate called Jesus. Come on, would you bow your heads? Close your eyes, nobody looking around. Some of you are in this place today and you're feeling like it's time to make that decision. And I wanna give you an opportunity to respond and this is what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna embarrass you, bring up to the front or, or do anything strange, but I am in a second gonna ask you to raise your hand and that's for you. That is for you to raise your hand to know and to, to, to respond to the conviction of God. See, the Holy Spirit brings conviction and it starts making you feel a little bit uneasy. Like, yeah, this is me. And our responsibility is to respond to that. And so right now, if that's you, you say, I've never walked through the gate. I really don't know this, this lifestyle. If that's you right now, I wanna ask you to raise your hand. Come on, all over the place. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on. Eight, nine, 10. Who else? 11, 12. Come on, you need Jesus. It's a good thing. God's mercy is here. Another one right here, I see you, man. Right here in the middle. Mercy triumphs judgment. It's who God is. I see you over here on the side. It's who God is. His mercy triumphs judgment and his mercy is here. We live in a great time in, in history where the grace of God reigns and we have this great opportunity. Don't miss it. Anybody else? Right over here, I see you. That's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray. And, and as I pray, I don't want you to repeat after me. I want you to agree with this prayer. I want you to pray to your God and repent of your sin and let your life be changed by his presence. Let's pray. Father, I come before you. God, I am broken. I am separate from you. God, I have been outside of the court. And today, Jesus, I wanna walk through that gate, the gate of salvation. I wanna receive you as my Lord and Savior. I wanna accept the sacrifice that you gave for me to pay the price for my sin that I couldn't pay. God, would you wash me? Would you cleanse me of all unrighteousness? I repent right now. I turn from my wicked ways and I embrace you. You're my hope. You're my savior. All that I am is yours. I am surrendered to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your innocent blood for me. I know that you saw me. I know that you, you saw me when you were hanging on that cross right here, right now today. And I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And I submit my life to you. I surrender my heart to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for all those who gave their hearts to God today? Yeah.
If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.